We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. November 3rd edition of the World War NFL Podcast. Week 8 is in the books. I'm Joe Bartle, and alongside me, as always, Jake Latarski. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Jake at Ruddle Jake. Uh, there's some relatively important things happening today. Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, the, I was going to say the NFL <laughs> trade deadline is happening. I launched college basketball projections on the website. This is a uh, very important day to be an American and a, a very important day to be a fantasy football player because, of course, waivers run on Tuesday night, and I'm not sure what else you'd be thinking about, but, you know, we got that going for you. I think that's the only thing I want to think about today, actually, uh, and I'll be focusing more of my energy than I ever have before. I'm making sure all my free agent priorities are going on as I – Never sleep by the way at my nails uh, as we continue on through the day. But, I mean, you talked about this. This actually is very relevant. The trade deadline is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording this podcast at 108 Eastern time right now. Yep. So we could potentially miss any trades that happened. I feel like we got a, a pretty good flurry 
yesterday, mm-hmm. but it was mainly defensive. I think all defensive players yeah. that got moved, of course, crossing fingers that our Packers make some sort of move at the wide receiver yeah. end. Um, I, know. I haven't heard know. too many rumblings about uh, a trade deadline, you know, moves that could really impact fantasy. I don't really believe that, of course, this is, this is going to get replayed all day, but I don't really believe the Falcons are going to trade Matt Ryan. If the Packers somehow acquire Will Fuller, that's another big rumor. Uh, it's not going to make a difference for fantasy because he's universally rostered, right? There might be some fringe guys that get moved a little bit you know your golden tate type players that seem to go at every single trade deadline but uh i don't know there aren't any situations where at least in going through this waiver wire outline today where i'm like hold up maybe this could change with the trade deadline so i guess we'll wait and see a little bit and of course catch us both on twitter we'll we'll react to that any any relevant news as it happens but uh for now we're going to run through the waiver wire like it's a normal tuesday and i and i don't expect a ton to change um i guess knock on wood yeah and and we already have a, a pretty big sizable thing that's going to have to be discussed today regarding the Packers and their COVID-19 situation going on. Um, before we dive into that and some other free agent pickups, including some streamer quarterbacks that I know we're excited to talk about, let's first get a word from our sponsors, Pro Swap Bet. Smart sports bettors always know where to find the best odds before placing a bet, and that's why smart, uh, smart bettors usually use PropSweat. You can always find the best odds on PropSwap, and you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for the price you think is fair and then buy it. PropSwap sellers are always willing to negotiate, and we all know bookies never will. And for a limited time, our listeners can can get up to $500 in bonus cash. Just use the promo code ROTO500. That's promo code R-O-T-O-5-0-0, and PropSwap will match your first deposit up to $500. Become a smarter sports better today. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. I'm just processing that now, but that's a pretty brilliant idea. I've actually always thought with my friends, like, man, you know, you always surf through all these lines and all these sports books, and you, you think maybe you could just put it out there for someone else to bid on. You know, and see if they want to beat the line, and and it's like a it's like a Tinder for sports betters. You match people at the line that you're willing to bet on. I, I don't know. It sounds like an awesome idea to me. I can't wait to try it out. I'm a cousin Sal Truther. I've listened to his podcast many times, and I think they've discussed uh, if it wasn't prop spot prop swap specifically other other corporations like that. So I agree with you. I think it's been a, mm-hmm. a great idea. We actually, I, I do the career fair at UW Wisconsin every year. We had somebody who worked in that specific field of the sports betting industry actually come up to me and talk about that idea when his son was working on. I was like, oh, that's great. Uh, I'm not sure what Rotoware can do, but I'm happy that Rotoware is actually partnered with Prop Swap because yes. I agree with you. I think it's a fantastic Unfortunately, idea. Unfortunately, still here in the state of Wisconsin, if you're listening up, uh, you know, legislators, voters out there, you know, still not legal to sports bet in the state of Wisconsin. So we'll have our finger crossed for a few more years yeah uh just waiting our time on that one so let's talk about the monday night football game mm-hmm. um buccaneers did win that's was expected the fact that it was relatively close and actually um should have been a tie game if you talk about the officiating at all which was a tremendously yeah. bad officiating week all across and yeah. listen I, jeff didn't discuss that enough monday the packers game the steelers game this game all i thought were directly affected by the by the zebras and that was very frustrating to me mm-hmm. as a football fan yeah to lay this one out i mean it was a uh, it was a brilliant two point conversion play call i mean uh, daniel jones had deon lewis on the flat yes he threw it a little bit behind him you know a good pass towards the pylon gets him the ball it was kind of a little mini pick play cuz he had two receivers right. in the back of the end zone and and uh, i forget who it was but the linebacker got there a little bit late jamal dean yeah, i think yeah got there got there a little bit early 
I, I think he got there a little bit early, but also, you know, the telecast, the officials, it's too much. Oh, it's a great play. What a great call by the NFL officials that this was right. Oh, we, we have the luxury of viewing this on instant replay. This, the NFL guy that they beam into also has that luxury and still was like blind as a bat on this know, call. If, if trying to call that in full time, in real time, even if it's right in front of you, uh, man, it could go either way. I was surprised they picked the flag. That's up the part that really pisses me off. And, yes. I, and I'm talking about this from a Packers perspective mm-hmm. on the very blatant pass interference of Robert Tanyan where the flag was thrown. The flag was thrown on a blatant call, and yet you come together and decide, oh, wait, no, this wasn't incredibly egregious and blatant. What is that? Well, when have we transitioned from we're going to challenge every pass interference call to we're going to pick up even the most obvious flags because now we can? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm happy they're not challenging pass interference calls anymore. That uh, mixed with the less holding calls this year is generally improve the experience but i don't know i saw quite a few holding calls last week let's get to fantasy though we can we can get into uh i had a rant you know the nfl rule, rule book i'm glad to, i'm happy to let you have that rant but uh <laughs> i mean the main fantasy takeaways from this game uh on tampa bay side uh ronald jones fumbled early and leonard fournette who now appears to be healthy got uh, the bulk of the workload 15 carries the seven for jones ronald jones got four uh caught all four of his targets in the passing game uh so that was a uh, uh, solid i mean mike evans played a decent game led or second on the team in targets to Jaden mickens actually but of course ended up with five for 55 and a score gronkowski got in the end zone again um daniel jones is bad but no surprise there. <laughs> he might be okay for fantasy. You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Sterling Shepard looks looks pretty decent. He was tied with Evan Ingram for a team high ten targets, and then you know going down the list, Darius Slayton, who I could use a little more of, but you know wasn't too bad. Nine targets, five for fifty six. Alfred Morris got a surprising amount of carries for someone just getting activated off the practice squad. Of course, as someone who played Wayne Gallman in Stake League, uh, got me enough to win the matchup, so I guess I can't complain too much. Raises my hand here, too. I actually got the second most points in Stake League because of Wayne Wayne Gallman, so thank you. Yeah, so he helped me out, helped me beat AJ, but... uh, I was still shocked every time they gave the ball to Alfred Morris. I guess maybe you don't want to run your guy into the ground, but I don't know. I saw, Why not? I saw way too many tweets from people I respect that are like, I didn't know Alfred Morris was in the NFL. And and I know I was a little bit surprised, but maybe it's because I was doing The Wire on Saturday. It was pretty evident Alfred Morris was going to be called up uh, to be the backup in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Now, and he's not actionable because we have Devonta Freeman who missed this game. That's the exactly. only reason Wayne Gumlin's round. Deion Lewis did score yeah. the very first touchdown for the Giants as well. He's going to be a factor. It's not like you're like picking up Alfred mm-hmm. Morris anywhere. Yeah, exactly. But this shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah, Alfred Morris had one carry in all of 2019. He's 31 years old, which is a senior citizen in running back years. <laughs> um yeah, there's no there's no actionable waiver wire uh, here. If there is anything actionable from this game, it might be Sterling Shepard because he definitely fits our roster ship threshold at 43%, whatever you want to call it. It was definitely less before the Monday night game, so he's somebody that's kind of on there. And, I mean, it's like a 1A, 1B situation with him and Slayton, it seems like. Yeah, and I think Gallman could be picked up again to, to start in the event that Freeman misses another game, mm-hmm. and, and not that you really should have been rostering Freeman much anyway. I talk about a Wayne Gallman uh, manage, manager myself because I have Freeman, and I'm telling you right now, I don't feel comfortable about rostering that backfield, but sometimes in deeper leagues like that, you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if Freeman is out there, there's no way I'm playing Gallman, and honestly, the way Gallman has played the last two weeks, touchdowns mm-hmm. and back-to-back weeks over, I think, I think over 50 total yards in both of them as well. He's done mm-hmm. well enough where maybe he cuts into Freeman's workload too, so it might be a, a net yeah. loss everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. In his next three matchups, you know, you've got uh, at Washington, uh, home against Philly, which are both, uh, I guess, like top half against the Decent run. Decent enough. Decent enough 
run defense, and then there's a bye week, and then after that he gets the Bengals. So you know there's a matchup there, but I don't, I don't disagree. See situations where you're holding him through week twelve necessarily, unless you know. Freeman comes out, re-injures himself, and you know has to sit the rest of the year. I don't disagree, but we also would have applied that same thought process to the Buccaneers' defense, too. And yet he had manageable numbers. So, Fair enough. I mean, over 10 points in each of the last two weeks uh, in standard scoring is 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 good enough. Um, I Like, the Daniel Jones thing's interesting because we have the Bengals, Browns, Rams, Eagles on by this week, the four teams for week nine buys. I that, that's at least three starting quarterbacks. Once has kind of quietly made himself a a pretty much starter um, in in QB one territory, despite his real life bad performance. Mm-hmm. And you could make a case Mayfield was a starter in a lot of people. We we were on this podcast last week saying start Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't realize yeah. there's going to be thirty mile per hour winds. But yeah, well, I mean fifty mile an hour winds with the threat of snow. I remember I was doing <laughs> I was you. doing the inactives for Cleveland that morning, and you know usually I don't have enough time to work out a tweet in between. You know, getting all the you know we usually get four teams or whatever. But I was like, hey watch this video of the winds gusting off Lake Erie and then maybe <laughs> think about because I, I know we had mentioned Derek Carr as a decent streamer on the pod and I know I had been thinking like I'm going to use Higgins in a DFS lineup no not so much after after seeing that and I know uh I know sometimes fantasy community in general likes to overreact to weather but that was one where I saw that and I was like Hmm, you know, maybe maybe take a step back here a little bit. It's not not the game to stack, we should say. Well, and the Packers Vikings was also drastically affected by the by the weather too. I mean, there was mm-hmm. very run heavy approaches by both teams. So I thought this was this this week week eight overall was a hey uh, you draft analysts who stick your glasses up there and nasally talking about the weather not affecting things. This was a bigger deal. I, I thought mm-hmm. the weather impacted a lot of different games, but none more so than that. But back to what I was saying with Daniel Jones. Three starting quarterbacks at the very minimum, four if you include Baker Mayfield, are out this week. You might have to use Daniel Jones again because while the uh, the Washington defense is good, I don't think there's any denying that, there's enough production that Daniel Jones does, despite all the turnovers he also gives you, mm-hmm. where he's at least a low-end quarterback one, I think, for most of the season. Yeah, he gets a little bit of that Jameis effect from last year like we were talking about. He digs himself in such of a hole that he has to throw himself out of it, and sometimes it works out. He's got some talented wide receivers, so maybe it works out. Um, you know, he had only 26% rostered on the road against the Washington football team. Yeah, I don't mind Daniel Jones as a streamer, uh, but there are a couple more guys that, you know, we like to look at. And starting with the guy who just mentioned, I think Derek Carr, um, I'm starting to warm up to him a little bit, especially now that he's got uh, uh, rugs back and he's only 42% rostered. At the Chargers, I mean, it's a decent defense, but I think the weather conditions will be much more favorable for him, and uh, the game plan will be maybe less centric around uh, Josh Jacobs, who they just basically had to feed the ball to because that's really all they could do. Yeah, I, I'm torn on Derek Carr. Again, at, at 42% roster in Yahoo Leagues, a lot of people seem to have him as a QB2, if if not even their QB1 mm-hmm. on these starter weeks. So, okay, I mean, that makes sense, and he's gotten plenty of plus yards in matchups that aren't dictated by 50-mile-per-hour wins. But there isn't like the deep shots every once in a while. The Henry Ruggs we've seen Nelson Aguilar get more involved. Wasn't last week, but mm-hmm. um, in, in situations that they have to pass more. I, I think Derek Carr is shaping up to be a fantasy quarterback that needs to be on your radar. But I'm not. I'm not ever like, oh yeah, this is a perfect matchup unless he is facing. I don't know. The Seahawks, for example, and I was I picked up Jimmy Garoppolo in a league to start him, and he didn't do well, but Nick Mullins did. So there has to be a really favorable defensive situation where I feel comfortable starting Carr, and I'm not sure the Chargers necessarily apply, although uh, Drew Locke did pretty good against the Chargers 
thanks to a really resurgent mm-hmm. second half. So Yeah, and Drew Locke is something that you have to think about again this week if you're in a streaming situation. He's only 10% rostered, so it's pretty much there's a guarantee that he's out there. Uh, he gets a home matchup against Atlanta, and Atlanta, it's like when I think of, in my brain, I don't know what the exact ranking is, but the two worst secondaries I can think of are Minnesota and Atlanta just because they've been absolutely ravaged by injuries and are on third, fourth stringers for pretty much uh, you know the last couple weeks here. Atlanta's one of those that, uh, you know, maybe, of course, maybe played a little bit better than their baseline considering whether that affected the Thursday night game as well there. Um, but no, Atlanta's a matchup that you absolutely target. Drew Locke's starting to get healthy. Uh, at least his weapons around him are getting healthy, having both Gordon and Lindsay in the backfield. You know, Judy's starting to look a little bit better, had a good game this week. Noah Fant getting back in the mix. So um, the circumstances seem to be uh, trending upward for a guy like Locke to potentially... Um, you know, be worth a start if you have to this week. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that too. And in fact, I might even go with Locke over Carr. I think both are pretty close. I think Locke and Carr mm-hmm. are pretty similar. And then there's a step below with Tua, Kirk Cousins, and and maybe even Nick Mullins into this factor too, mm-hmm. assuming he is going to be the starter. We've seen the Niners flip-flop between yeah. Mullins and C.J. Beathard throughout yeah. this year as the backup. Exactly. Um, it seems like it's Mullins this time. Of those three, Tua, Cousins, Mullins, which one do you like the most as your like, second-tier streamers? See, I'm not actually I, I put Tua on here as an option, but you know, he didn't he didn't really blow the fantasy community up by any means. He got the win, which is impressive enough, you know, but their scoring came from a defensive touchdown upon return touchdown. Uh, maybe he'll have more opportunities to air it out, but I didn't really necessarily see enough from Tua that makes me want to roll him out there another one. Cousins I can get behind enough. Having Cook back helps, but it'll be a run heavy approach. Uh, Mullins against the Packers. I mean, they just lost another weapon with uh Kittle. They don't have uh, they don't have Debo um, or any that, of the running backs. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and all these other guys like Kyle Allen against the Giants. Nope. Sam Darnold against the Patriots. He's going to see ghosts again. Nope. Nick Foles at Tennessee. Absolutely not. Phil Rivers versus Baltimore. Absolutely not. So what am I looking at between Tua Cousins and and Locke? Uh, Tua Cousins and Mullins. Tua Cousins and Mullins. Oh, I guess I'd go Cousins in this one, but it's not by a huge margin here. Um, Cousins yeah. facing the Lions this week. I, I tend to. I actually am not ready to write off Tua. I was really high on Tua. I actually thought both Tua and Herbert were going to be really good quarterbacks. Uh, and I thought good fantasy quarterbacks, Herbert has certainly proven to be the case. And I think Tua over time is going to be as well. Now, if the Dolphins just take off the kitty gloves with Tua, then we're going to see it. But we know how these teams like to operate with rookie quarterbacks. It it might as well be Tua's very first game, unless you imagine the Dolphins defense is going to get essentially 28 points in the first half alone, mm-hmm. like they did against Rams. Then if that happens, sure, then you're not getting much production. But I do think... I feel more comfortable knowing what I saw in the Cardinals' defense two weeks ago when they faced the Seahawks and say, yes, Tua can get 200-plus yards and a touchdown or two. I think Preston Williams is good. I think Devontae Parker is good. If Jasicki is involved in any capacity at all, like that matters as well. What and a nightmare, Jasicki. I know. Well, what a nightmare the tight ends 4 through 14 are right now because mm-hmm. with Kittle out now, that's gonna that hurts the position even more. And I, it, it's We'll get to it. We're going to talk about some of the tight ends to pick up. Uh, like it's it's a it's a landmine and it's really crazy because I thought tight ends was super deep this year. Uh, this was the year, if any, that you weren't going to have to invest in any of those guys, and you know that's been proven to be completely wrong with what we've seen throughout. And I just don't mm-hmm. see how that changes. So um, for me personally, I, I still have Derek Carr. Uh, at, well, I have Derek Carr as that like topper tier, mm-hmm. and then um, man, who did we mention before? Drew Lock. Yes, Drew Lock. Thank you. Gosh. So we got Carr, it's Carr Lock, Lock is like, the top. Then like a Cousins. I think I'm. Situation I think I'm or... actually going to go with Mullins over Cousins, 
But I, I, I don't know if this game happens on Thursday, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the running back section. Exactly. I don't know what we're getting mm-hmm. from the Niners-Packers, and it might yeah. be too tough to really project. Exactly. I put Mullins more in the two-quarterback league discussion. You know, we've got a few guys that fit that thing. You know, we'll just name them off. Uh, Gardner Minshew seemingly unlikely for week nine here uh, with that injury they found going into the bye. Um, it seems like uh, it seems like they're going to skip over Mike Glennon and give Jake Luton the, the start here. And Jaguars brass pretty much has made it seem like there's no guarantee Minshew starts again. So that uh, makes things a little yeah. bit interesting. They want to see what they got, a.k.a. we're in full tank mode. You know, we're going to try to get Trevor Lawrence to, to get this uh, situation here. Of course, you've got the Cowboys situation for two quarterback leagues. If you're really hurting for punishment, you know, watch the Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci situation. But, yeah, all of those guys. And see, that's the category I real, originally put Mullins in there. It sounds like you think of him a little bit high, definitely, higher. Definitely, definitely um, do. I think, the, I think the Niners and Packers are going to be competitive whenever that game happens, and it's not going to be just because of the ground game, although I'm very very terrified of that as a Packers fan as well. Mm-hmm. And I know all the weapons that the Niners have lost, but I know the, the, the this scheme that Shanahan runs, and I just have a hard time believing the Packers are going to stop that. They haven't convinced me defensively that they can because of what I've seen over the last four or five weeks, but really throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Nick Mullins can be effective. I think C.J. Beathard, if he was in there, can be effective too. And when I say effective, I'm thinking like 220 yards, a touchdown or so. I was ready to rule out Nick Mullins when he first had a start against the Giants, and I was proved utterly and completely wrong. He had 270-plus yards. He's actually had, I think, that kind of total in mm-hmm. most of the games he started as a quarterback for the Niners. I just I don't see enough in the Packers defense for, for me to feel comfortable saying the Niners can't do that to anybody else because the Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan scheme was is say, so effective. It's the scheme and the coaching that can polish something that originally yes. doesn't look so pretty and, and, and find a way to make it work and use the best of their ability. And, man, if they even make the playoffs, he should be coach of the year this year because I can't think of a team that's been ravaged by injuries that badly. Much like the Steelers from last year, Mike Tomlin kind of getting a little competitive too. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the running backs. I think this is actually where the meat of the podcast and most important stuff comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it. I think we have to, to stress it here now. At the running back position for the Packers, we have a conundrum. And, yes. and starting first and foremost is the fact that this game is supposed to be and currently is set for to play Thursday night. At San Francisco, the Packers had a COVID-19 test positive uh, in the form of A.J. Dillon. He did, of course, play on Sunday. What does that mean for the backfield? Well, we don't know. Uh, Right now, it means Jamal Williams is in close contact with A.J. Dillon. Jamal Williams, as a result, will not play Thursday if this game were to occur Sunday. After a litany of tests, maybe it's possible he does go back out there. But as of right now, information we have, Jamal Williams is also out. Okay, does that mean Aaron Jones, who's missed the last two games, is he around enough of the, the team to be, or around those running backs mm-hmm. to be available or not? We don't know. We don't even know if Aaron Jones is active and available health-wise for his for his hamstring injury, I think, right? Hamstring. Yeah, the, ex- the exact, uh, the most recent news we have on Aaron Jones is still dealing with that calf injury. Calf, thank Was you. a limited participant in uh, Monday's practice, and of course the the 49ers and Packers are the only teams that actually have to um, and it was a virtual out, one yeah put out the injury report so yeah it was a virtual one and it, it's called a practice estimate I guess that they put out because yeah so it's, it's just a unique situation all around here so uh will Aaron Jones play of course that he could come be the hero and then save this backfield but what if he can't what if he's not healthy and we've seen the Packers exercise extremely conservative approaches mm-hmm. with their injuries this year which I you know I don't mind too much. You know, they did that with Devontae Adams. They were in no rush to get him back, and I assume it's going to be the same case with Aaron Jones. So um, if he's not ready, I would guess if he doesn't somehow log a full practice by um, by Wednesday, Wednesday's walkthrough, or even today on Tuesday, um, there's a pretty there's a better than not chance that he won't play because 
you know, the short week now, give him the extended break afterwards, and then he'll be good to go. It, it, rather, rather than rushing it now, I think him sitting might make more sense. Now, this is just speculative. Now, so then what do we have? Um, the guy that I think of is Dexter Williams getting the call from the practice squad. And depending on your league hosting site, you might not even be able to pick him up because he won't have a team designation, maybe, maybe not officially until he gets that call. We're going to have to see what they want to do. Of course, Tyler Irvin is an example. He's the guy, if you watch Packer games, he's always coming around on the jet sweep and every once in a while they give the ball to him. So he's technically listed as a wide receiver on our depth chart. He's dealing with a wrist injury, and uh, he was also a limited participant in Monday's uh, practice estimate or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, uh, it's so a here's mess. here's it's a the mess. part of this that I I don't think people understand. The Packers have one running back on their practice squad. They cannot sign another running back mm-hmm. and then have him active for the game on Thursday. It by by the definition of the COVID nineteen rules for the NFL this season, that will not be possible. Mm-hmm. So if Aaron Jones cannot play. Dexter Williams, your fourth string running back for the Packers and currently on the practice squad, I avail I imagine available in ninety-nine point nine percent of leagues, mm-hmm. would be getting a hundred percent of the snaps at the running back position. And I know it's the Niners defense, and I imagine the Packers will be passing even more under these circumstances. But having any running back get a hundred percent of the snaps is an immediate waiver one waiver wire claim kind of deal, like a massive mm-hmm. amount of your budget, even if it's just for one week, which is what we would assume. Like this exactly. is this is a huge deal, and the fact that we have to do this podcast on Tuesday is unfortunate mm-hmm. because we don't really know the details. Yeah. Um, but this is the information we have right now, and I think Dexter mm-hmm. Williams is going to be a major factor in Week Nine football. All right, so to break it down, yeah, in terms of actionable evidence, you either avoid the situation completely, or you wait until waivers have cleared and 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 pick up Dexter Williams for nothing, pretty much, right? I, I don't think you're going to have to compete for Dexter Williams on the waiver wire. I think you will. I actually do. Maybe I mean, in Wisconsin we will. Yeah. But I think in 95% of the leagues across the country, that's going to be a name that – and again, like I said, it's going to depend what your fantasy provider's rules are because he's technically not even on the team yet. So you, if you have to do Tuesday night waiver bids and he's not quite on the team yet, um, you might be forced to wait, which I think is probably the sensible way to go anyway. Um, there are some other running backs to potentially discuss that uh, you know we feel better about their game actually being played. Well, can, um, I, can I rephrase it? Because I, I think if you're – waiver wire is on Tuesday, you have to be like tonight after election results come in, whatever else. I think you have to be picking up Williams and I would be putting in a 10 to 15% bid. And and I'm saying this because, no, no, no. I'm saying this because I, I really do believe Williams is going to have to be the starter. And what am I going to lose if I'm $10 out of $100, whatever. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting 99% of the production at a running back position in the week nine, four teams on by, so many injuries, whatever else. If if I'm not, we do competitive leagues, I'm in the NFFC. That happens Wednesday. Stake league happens Thursday uh, mm-hmm. afternoon, right? Like you have time to wait for that. And if those things are happening, if you are in a league that has a Wednesday yeah. or Thursday waiver wire, then it's even higher. So I, I disagree mm-hmm. with you. I think if I have a chance to get a 100% starting running back for only 10% of my budget, which is why I think it would occur right now, I am all for that. For one week, though. Absolutely for one know. week. That's Have you seen the running back position? Yeah, I mean, not to give away the whole show here, but I'd rather spend double-digit on Wilkins. I'd rather do it on Damian Harris. I'd rather do it on Jalen Rager. I'd rather do it on Jacoby Myers. I'd rather do it than Marvin Jones. I mean, just a sneak preview for you know, okay, what we fine. have coming so, up here. So let's get you know? to Wilkins then, because mm-hmm. so, I think that's going to be the one that most people want to talk about. He had 20 carries for 89 yards and a score against the Lions last week. Jonathan Taylor appeared to be benched, but then it was like, oh, wait, no, he has an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hines also caught two touchdowns. 
So we have yet again another backfield by committee now in the NFL. Thank you, Colts. We were already seeing that sort of surface, um, but we don't know, and this is the bigger part of this, if the committee was because of Taylor's injury or ineffectiveness. Because if it's the latter, if it is the ineffectiveness, that's a real issue. And Wilkins would become a prime candidate for, I think, pickups mm-hmm. across the across the world, but uh, certainly in fantasy leagues. I, I don't know if it is, though. I think it was more of a byproduct of the injuries that made Wilkins get 20 carries. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely nervous about my Jonathan Taylor shares, but I'm not in complete sell panic mode. Um, maybe you can lowball some offers to try to get him for cheap or something. But uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, Wilkins came on in the second half. He played 24 out of 34 snaps. That's 71%. Um, Naheem Hines gets in the mix. But, you know, as soon as you pick up Naheem Hines, he's going to go for an over on you. Right. You know, it's just his his production is very, very unpredictable here. Um yeah, Wilkins becomes probably the top running back option. But again, I don't think there are any number one waiver claim players this week necessarily, unless the news or anything with the trade deadline changes substantially here um, You know, while we're recording. I don't think there are any number one guys. Wilkins would be kind of an 8 to 12% of your budget to plug in this week and see what happens. But even if that's your plan, he's got Baltimore this week, the number two run defense in the league. And there's still a committee-like situation here where, you know, even if Taylor's not healthy or Taylor doesn't play or or whatever happens, I can't believe they completely shut out Taylor or make him inactive. And then Hines gets a couple of touches. You're playing Baltimore. It's just not a great situation. Schedule after that, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston. Glorious. So if you believe Wilkins takes that job from Jonathan Taylor the rest of the year, then yeah, go spend 12% of your budget on him and you'll probably get him and, and you could be happy with I that. I mean, if you think Wilkins is taking the starting job, then you spend 100% of your budget because, no, I'm you laugh at me. Stop that. I'm telling you, weeks 10 through 15, you have the 25th through 31st worst defenses against the running back position of fantasy available for you. He is going to be a running back one starter for you, whether it be Jonathan Taylor or Wilkins, whoever is the guy for the Colts, mm-hmm. you're putting him out there every week. Every week in that Titans, Packers, Titans, Texans, Raiders, Texans yep. schedule. We've got a bye week already behind us, so that works in, in the favor. And I remember we just launched like a fantasy matchup, a schedule page on rotowire.com. Uh, definitely check out the at rotowire Twitter feed. I believe they've, uh, they've, they've promoted that a couple times this week. And the big takeaway from that new page when I looked at it is Jonathan Taylor, your shiny new buy low, get him peace <laughs> because this is glorious. And then, of course... He's not so effective. Maybe it's because of the ankle injury. Maybe because he he just doesn't. He didn't look that explosive. But again, you could write that off on the in- injury. Uh, he's kind of. He seemed like kind of a straightforward runner a little bit. Now again, I didn't watch this whole game. It was kind of a mix of the red zone, and I was kind of wondering what the heck was happening. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. You have to. This is a really tough situation here. I still think Wilkins is the top top waiver wire pickup, not because he will take over that job, but because of the chance that he because, takes over. Yeah, that okay. Job. I mean, he's at two percent, two percent rostered right now in Yahoo. Mm-hmm. I, I, it needs yeah. to be close to like forty percent, thirty-five percent. I mean, Hines is at twenty-nine percent because of what happened earlier. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's the third down back." Here he comes. Um, but yeah, Wilkins would be your guy to own, not because you want to start him this week, but because you're banking on future potential if uh, the circumstances change a bit. And that's where I go with. I'd rather have Dexter Williams, who I think is going to have to start this week, depending on if the game occurs Thursday. Another name to at least look um, in your leagues for right now, Damian Harris. He's under 50% owned. He's actually 48 in our Yahoo League, so he technically meets the threshold. Uh, had a pretty good game this past week, but Sonny Michel is coming back. He was off the COVID-19 list earlier this week and now appears to be off the injured reserve list as soon as this game occurs next week. So I don't know how – I think Damian Harris is quite clearly the better runner, 
But I think that the Patriots are going to continue to mangle this thing where you're going to have four different guys out there doing different stuff, and Michelle just factors into it and cuts into a bit of Harris's work. Yeah, Damian Harris is one of those cautionary type players that I put uh, that I put on our outline for a very specific reason. I always like to sweep, you know. But you know, once I've gone through and identified, you know, the top pickups we want to talk about and putting together this show, I always like to just quick sweep every other source, you know, whether that's on our site, on other sites, you know just to make sure I didn't miss any names that come on here. And I'm seeing Damian Harris placed high in a lot of situations. Yes, he did lead the team with 16 carries compared to six for Burkhead and two for James White, but his snap share was 31%, whereas Burkhead was 49% and James White is 48%. So you've got the guy that's on the field the third most, the guy that's not really running any routes. He ran two routes compared to 12 for James White. Um, and then you've got a guy who plays a similar role, similar type of back, I guess, in Sony Michelle coming back. So that's one where, you know, yes, I agree with you that Damian Harris is the best runner, but the committee situation there makes me just yeah. lose all interest. I, again, I'd rather have Dexter Williams in that scenario because I know what I'm getting for one week. And, and right now with the way the fantasy season is going, week by week is – Probably the best thing, and, and you're right. We don't know for certain. Again, this is a lot of speculation right now at the Packers game and everything else. But just keep that in mind. Again, over a guy like Damian Harris, who I think is going to be splitting the workload. Another name to mention, at least, uh, Daryl Henderson left Sunday's game with a thigh injury, so Malcolm Brown is now back to a fantasy relevant name. Potentially Cam Akers is too. Like, what's your read on this? Where are you thinking right now? This is another tough one because they're going into a buy, right? So. Very few fantasy managers have the luxury of throwing a zero one dollar bid on Cam Akers and holding him through the buy mm-hmm. and hoping he comes through. From what I've seen, the Daryl Henderson injury has been downplayed a little bit. If they were playing this week, I think uh, someone like Malcolm Brown, that is rostered in only thirty one percent of leagues, he might be a play if they were playing this week. But I expect things to be pretty much back to normal next year in Week 10. I don't necessarily anticipate them suddenly deciding to let Cam Akers loose. Cam Akers falls into, like, uh, I love how Payne phrases this in his articles, the quote, Hail Mary play, you know, mm-hmm. if uh, – you know, if you've got some dead weight on your roster, you know, someone, I don't know, maybe a kid who's pretty much done for the season and you want to carry somebody but miss all the fab bids, you know, pick up a guy like that and, and hope for the best. But, you know, he's also going to be first on the chopping block when tough decisions need to be made. I'm right there with you. Probably the last name of the running backs that we need to consider is Tremaine Pope. Um, and this leads into kind of we always try to ask uh, which players are we dropping right now. I'm I'm dropping Joshua Kelly. And it isn't even mm-hmm. so much – that Kelly was out or out snapped, I think, and out carried. Uh, Pope had ten carries to Kelly's seven. I think Pope had twenty six snaps to Kelly's twenty one. Um, and and Pope also had five catches for twenty eight yards too. So he just outproduced mm-hmm. Kelly in every single facet. Now Justin Jackson was still around. Justin Jackson was the best runner for the Chargers um, on Sunday in that loss to the Broncos. But I, I don't think we need to go ahead and aggressively get up, get Pope. Now, he's rostered in exactly 0% of Yahoo leagues right now. So you can get him if you want him. I, I mean, I'm like even in NFFC leagues, which are 12 teams, 10, 10 player benches. I still don't think I'm going to go ahead and put a bid on Pope. And the reason for this is because the Chargers are going to go with the hot hand every single week. Pope was called up from the practice squad the previous two weeks and now has signed a contract. So that's already passed mm-hmm. through. Austin Eckler isn't. We don't know yet when he's going to return. Yeah, so I'm looking at our last update on Austin Eckler. It's October 21st. It says he'll be back later rather than sooner. sooner so yeah. I'm going to have to find that uh, that Chargers beat writer and, and poke him for an update or something. But I don't think there is any update no, necessarily. No. I mean, he's we'll, – we'll see. The only, the only thing that takes me back from Pope would be the possibility of Eckler coming back and the role – 
from what I saw from that game, there was only three games on the late red zone, so I saw a lot more of that Chargers game. The normal from what I saw is he was running those Eckler-type routes. And uh, once Eckler comes back, there is no role for him. So it's very short-term. Uh, short-term, slight upside PPR, flex play if you need to, if you're getting hurt by buys or injuries. That's how I view Pope. I think you have the, the way you have to think about this, and, and we were saying this from the beginning, or at least I was when Eckler got hurt. Once Eckler returns, Justin Jackson, or in this case now Tremaine Pope's value, is completely shot. Because the mm-hmm. Kelly role is going to be the Kelly role, just like the Gordon Go- Melvin Gordon role from previous years was always going to be the Melvin Gordon role. But they've done Justin Jackson stuff now and kind of combined both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler roles into one, which is good because Justin Jackson has been the more productive player throughout his portion as the starter-esque role. But I think Tremaine Pope is going to do enough stuff as the change of pace guy much in the way that we've seen Austin Eckler do change of pace stuff too. So I don't I, I don't want people to overreact and see, oh man, he got 60 plus yards and five receptions. I got to go pick him up. He's the new Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way with the Chargers offense, much in the same way Justin Jackson isn't going to be the new Austin Eckler. Nobody can be Austin Eckler. And unfortunately, Kelly can't be Melvin Gordon either, which is why I'm dropping Kelly, but I'm not going out and getting Pope in that instance either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not going to be able to break this down uh, any better than the Chargers <laughs> expert, the resident Chargers expert here. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's a, he's a low cost, low end flex play in deep leagues that you can that can help you in the short term, and that's really all I view of that. I I might throw him in with some zero dollar backup bids to some other guys, but I'm not really all that interested. I can't. There are very few situations thinking across my leagues right now where he'd be a viable starter for me. All right, let's get to some of the wide receivers. But before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors, BetMGM. Football is in full swing, and the new customers at BetMGM Sports can kick the season off or continue the season, I should say, with a 100% deposit match up to $500. Simply sign up and make a deposit with the bonus code ROTOWIRE to take advantage of this offer. There's never been a better time to get in on the action at BetMGM with parlay bonus payouts, live betting, daily boosted odds specials, and much more. Don't let one minute of the NFL season pass by. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code ROTOWIRE to double your betting bankroll with a 100 deposit match up to $500. Of course, must be 21 years or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITHIT in Indiana. Promotional offer does not is not available in Nevada. All right, so moving over to the wide receivers, uh, we had talked about Brandon Ayuk. He, of course, went off and destroyed me in a couple different leagues. Uh, Rashad Higgins did not do anything thanks to the 100 million to 100 million mile power wins going on. Uh, Jalen Rager did have a pretty pretty good performance and and should have had really two touchdowns. I thought it was more of a drop with that deep pass by Wentz towards the end of the game. Corey Davis was just on our threshold last week. He also performed really well. Scotty Miller and Nelson Aguilar less so. Uh, the biggest injury of really I think Sunday's slate and maybe maybe could think of somebody else. But Kenny Galladay is out for Week Nine and could be even longer for that with an injury and left without even getting a catch. Marvin Jones ended up being a factor, but Marvin Hall also was a guy, uh, seven catches for 113 yards. He becomes an option deeper leagues. TJ Hawkinson is going to be more involved in the passing game. Um, I, like I, I'm going to be really interested to see how this goes. Like Almost to the point where I wonder if Marvin Jones should be a sneaky trade target for people because I just don't see the Lions uh, not passing the ball. I mean, they're going to need to pass the ball often. But I don't know if I really need to give up a lot to get a Marvin Jones or a Marvin Hall, who's available in just about every league right now. 
Yeah, I, I, I like Marvin Jones as probably one of the top uh, pickups this week. I'd say maybe top three in the wide receiver department because uh, I love Rager. I, I think he's the guy. But uh, Marvin Jones is absolutely uh, a player worth adding to your team. He is a guy that always finds his way into my Thanksgiving DFS lineups. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's going to again <laughs> this year. He, he always does. You know, just in those showdown or whatever I'm playing uh, on Thanksgiving Day, he's going to be a guy that you have to check out. I mean, his yards per target is right now through seven games. It's his lowest since his rookie season. So maybe that's a little bit concerning, but it shouldn't matter here because he's going to get the targets with uh, Galladay out. I mean, Mar- or Danny Amendola, Marvin Hall, even TJ Hawkinson will get a little bit, but um, I think Jones becomes the clear guy, and maybe not necessarily the guy that has to get all the coverage necessarily. They can spread the love a little bit because I don't necessarily think that the the level of skill you know between Jones and Amendola or Hall is is that crazy that you have to devote to double covering Marvin Jones all the time. I think he becomes one of the top waiver pickups this week. Um, I'm thinking like a six to eight percent bid, maybe a little more if you definitely need a short-term wide receiver if you're hurting here. But there are basically several guys that you kind of make that six to ten percent bid. I'm thinking on, and then you know, I'd be good with a lot of them. I, I mean, Jalen Rager is the highest one of the wide receivers, and I think he's even over my beloved Dexter Williams. Evidently, since you are so low on Williams, but I, I think Rager is the top pickup. He's available in 24, or he's only he's only rostered in 24 percent of the leagues, which Again, just makes me cry because it tells me that nobody was playing in the inter-reserve leagues that we tried to stress early in the yes, year. Exactly. But Rager has to be number one pickup. I, I like again. I'm I'm certainly looking at Marvin Jones, who is just under that threshold at 49 percent rostered. I don't know if I want Marvin Hall more than Jacoby Myers, who had 10 targets and Julian Edelman is on IR and and likely not going to be back for a while. He caught six for 58. Not that the Patriots offense always has to have a Julian Edelman to be effective, but there always seems like there is that guy. And in the PPR perspective, which was really great for me in Stake League, I had to kind of roster Myers by default. You can do a lot worse. And I think I'd rather have Myers in that extent than Hall. I don't think Hall is going to have that type of target share mm-hmm. um, relative to what Myers will, although he did this week. So Yeah, Hall ended up with seven targets this week, caught four of them for 113 yards. I'm not necessarily sure I'm trying to chase that necessarily. And I agree with you that Jacoby Myers, the 10 targets, volume is king. He's next up. You can say what you want about uh, you know Cam Newton this year so far, but they got to throw to somebody, and I think Myers is the guy. I put Myers right up in there in that same t- tier with Marvin Jones. And Jalen Rigor, um, or Rigor, Rager, Rager, Rager. 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 You know, I'm going to say it. I'm going to flip flop. I said you can it right do the first yeah. time. I said it right the first time, but then I messed it up. But no, I, 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 I like Rager the best because yeah, it was only a 73% snap share this week, where where Fulgham got 93.7 and Greg Ward got 93.7. Um, but they never were really truly threatened and had to go crazy passing the ball necessarily. Well, that's exactly it. I'm, see, I'm happy that he had 73%. Mm-hmm. I thought Eagles are going to take it slow. Yeah. Rager was hurt. They're, he's coming off the injury. And maybe it's just I'm the Packers fan, and I've seen this story time and again. All right, 4% of the snaps, great. Uh, then next week he goes off. To get him involved that frequently, and it was the it was a nice little touchdown too, but again, the deep pass that Wentz had to look at him at that spot, and again, Rager, Rager dropped it, but that was... That was a really comforting yeah. look. He's going yeah. to be if, a guy if you're, if you're for the rest of the year. If you're measuring air yards, absolutely. You know, that's this is one of those things that should pop up in that situation here. I actually put Greg Ward on the drop list this week. I mean, I know he was on the field quite a bit here. Um, but one, the problem with the Eagles or picking up Rager is the bye week. 
bye week. The bye week is tough. The, yep. you know, that's that's coming right. And Elshon Jeffrey. And Elshon Jeffrey as well. Elshon Jeffrey is a guy that I could see if he somehow is able to pass a physical. They trade for like a conditional seventh rounder or something. I don't really see at, at this point. I'm not necessarily sure Elshon Jeffrey is going to come in and make an impact here. I think Rager cuts into the. I just think Jeffrey cuts into Ward's value to the point where Ward probably is droppable, but there isn't anybody that cuts into Rager's role. And right now, the way Travis Fulgham is playing, you can't stop him either. And it's ironic, given how the Packers have struggled at wide receiver and now the Lions with their injuries. Those were the previous two practice squad spots for Fulgham, and now Fulgham is here and doing things with the Eagles. So mm-hmm. it's crazy to think about. Um, is it fair to move on to the Niners pass catchers? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, we can agree that it's the one, two, three, in whatever order you like, uh, Rager. Uh, Marvin Jones, Jacoby Myers. I think Rager is the pickup, but of course, it changes if you need somebody to start this week immediately. Yeah. yeah before we move on to that one, I just want to say Corey Davis, forty-seven percent rostered. Go out there and fix that. So Corey Davis or like Marvin Jones, who they both are just under fifty percent. Where where are you at with that? I, I'd take Davis. See, I'll take Jones, actually, because I think he's going to be a bigger mm-hmm. factor. And I still believe A.J. Brown, for the limited times that the Titans pass, is going to be always the featured guy. Don't get me wrong. I love A.J. Brown. He should be the featured guy. He should be the guy also warranting a lot of coverage. And I think Corey Davis, in his contract year, is going to have a few more big games. So I, I would take him. I think the utility for Corey Davis maybe lasts a little bit longer than the utility. I took Corey Davis in our staff dynasty league, and it was by no means a, you know saying he's going to be good. It was just like, uh, whatever, the 12th round pick. He's here. Worked out, of him. <laughs> worked out pretty well um, so far for me this season. I've had to start him due to injuries in a lot of places. Um, okay, so Anthony Miller had 11 targets for the Bears' perspective. I go to Kendrick Bourne. Everyone was stacking the Niners' passing attack against the Seahawks, and that kind of worked after Mullins came in. Um, it was all junk time production towards the end. Ayuk mm-hmm. as well was a factor. Like I'm not super excited to have Anthony Miller just because I want no bit of Nick Foles or Trubisky passing in the ball other than Allen Robinson. But I am a little bit intrigued by Kendrick Bourne just because of the Packers matchup, whether it occurs Thursday or Sunday. Um, I, I really believe Mullins is going to do okay enough uh, a, as a passer because he's going to have that running game to fall back on and use as a weapon. And Kendrick Bourne is kind of the last man standing right now for the pass catchers exactly. for the 49ers. Yeah, when there's a decent name that's 21% rostered and who gets 11 targets, they get a spot on my list, a bullet point on my list, but definitely... I don't believe in the consistency in terms of usage among Anthony Miller for the rest of the season to put him above any of the previous guys we've talked about. Yes, I like Kendrick Bourne. He always happens to sneak his way in here. And Ayuk, if this game is played on Thursday, I imagine Ayuk will get the Jair Alexander coverage and Kendrick Bourne, you know, will get, I don't know. I don't know if Kevin King. <laughs> the non-Kevin King. Yeah. yeah or, or I don't know if Kevin King will be, or, you know, whatever's left after that. So, you know, Bourne could have a decent game, but I imagine Shanahan's going to try to cut him up with the run like most teams have been able to. And again, that's if this game does in fact get played here. So, you know, if you don't necessarily like Bourne on the short week, given the situation, how much of a long-term value do you place on that? Maybe, maybe not a lot, but you know, you have to look at that depth chart every week. There are going to be some Kittle targets up for grabs too, so that that could only help the whole Ayuk born situation. I believe they both got double-digit targets this week, if I'm uh, seeing this correctly. So, yeah. um, both these guys are going to be plenty viable, but you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to 
take your lumps on a couple places and and hope for the best in others. You have written down Hollywood Brown as a maybe a, a drop for people, and I guess this would be in ten team leagues, right? Because anything yeah. lower than that, yeah. I, I can't imagine you're down for. It. But it's interesting. I mean, he had two targets down against the Steelers. He did catch a touchdown pass, which matters a little bit. He was throwing a bit of a hissy fit on Twitter or social media as well. Yeah, that, that was part of it. I just kind of wanted to have a conversation, like how are you treating Hollywood Brown? Because it's total fantasy purgatory right now. You absolutely can't put him in your starting lineup. You can't. It's really tough to outright drop him. I could see doing it in a 10-teamer if you have to, but uh, I don't know when Miles Boykin's getting the touchdowns and we both like DuVernay and what he can bring to the table here. And this is a team that's going to have the highest run split in favor of the run over the pass out of any team in the league. You know, Last year it was Vikings and Ravens, and this year it's you know pretty much the same situation here. So you've got that split. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's really difficult. And then you have him vocally complaining on social media right before the trade deadline here i could just see that going bad um so i wanted to have a conversation they're not going to trade him i don't i'm not worried about no, that no, 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 no. and i actually have to start him this week in in a different league mainly due to bye weeks um I, the, the you're drafting marquise brown and you're relying on marquise brown hoping he has more of a will fuller floor that we've seen this season right like i mean the same mm-hmm. type of players well, I mean, but you're the hoping floor that's zero right but the ceiling is outrageous no i mean like you will fuller was drafted fairly high this year because you were assuming he was going to get some of the deandre hopkins targets so therefore like four for 40 games were the floor that you're hoping for and mm-hmm. i think that's the same floor that you thought marquise brown was going to have that i think you can safely say is gone that mm-hmm. there will be no type of floor for that but the ceiling is still there for Marquise Brown the average depth of target is still up there in terms of the Ravens offense and if Lamar Jackson gets it right and I don't know what's happening right now I've been a Lamar Jackson truther I'm going to stay a Lamar Jackson truther if he gets it right Marquise Brown's floor I'm sorry ceiling Mm -hmm. is higher than just about any wide receiver in the league so I can't drop that yeah I mean in case you missed the game of the week he did score a touchdown you know, so sometimes I don't know. Drops are one of the hardest part of the shows to or the show to generate ahead of time, and sometimes I'll just ah, toss some someone on there who will make some fun. Sorry, right, I like it spicy. That's that's yeah. fine. I'm totally okay with that. Let's move over to the tight ends. Unfortunately, not a huge group of them. We had Dallas got a return from IR. He is rostered in sixty two percent of the leagues right now. Evidently, people are using their IR spots on Goddard and not other players. I don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he didn't do a whole lot. I think that's going to happen over time. The Eagles have a bye week this week. No, wait. I think they have a, yeah, they have a bye week this week. It's a week. bye week this yes. week, so you're not going to so, be able to use that. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's fine. Like That's probably why he wasn't used. And at least that's what I wrote about on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, I think the Niners situation is probably the one to monitor the most. Ross DeWelly is my pickup this week at tight end, but I think mm-hmm. long-term Jordan Reed probably is. Now, it sounds like um, Kyle Shannon was saying Reed's close. They're going to be considering whether he can play this week against the Packers or not. If that game happens Thursday, I have to imagine Reed doesn't play. If the game gets postponed until later, maybe there's a better chance for Reed to play out of that instance. I just had some really bad deja vu having because I've had this conversation about Jordan Reed at least a hundred times in my life. Many of the times sitting in this exact same chair, he's made of glass and you can't really count on him. I know some of the stuff's outside of his control, the concussions. You know, I feel for the guy because that'll probably have an effect. You know, lasting into his life after football. But man. Picking someone like that up, it's so hard with our jobs sometimes. We have to think of these players as stocks and and not people. Um, And in this case, this is not a stock I want to buy necessarily. Yes, he's got the the name and he's definitely got the athletic ability, but 
how long can you really count on it for? So that's the tough part. Yeah, and Reed was productive in the short stints with Kittle out earlier this season, and then, of course, he got hurt. So that's where I think we've seen it on the field this year, which is good. That reinforces the idea that Reed, when he's healthy, is a pickup and needs to be rostered and, quite frankly, should be started against the Packers if he's able to go. I just don't think if the game occurs Thursday, he will be able to. So therefore, mm-hmm. Ross Dwelly becomes the guy. Dwelly has also been productive in the limited times Kittle has been out uh, and Reed has been out too. So that's kind of an intriguing name for me to monitor. We talked about uh, Hunter Harrison Bryant uh, for the Titan for the Browns right now. Yep. Like, so this is a tough situation because he got the start on yep. Sunday. Of course, the conditions were not fair, favorable for any kind of passing. I mean, he was right up there in terms of the pecking order for targets. But so, so I would say, obviously, he, he would rank for me ahead of someone like Njoku if they don't manage to, to ship Njoku before today's trade deadline. Um, but then I saw the report that Hooper's probably on his way back here. And I know we had the whole appendix conversation last week, um, you know, two weeks off even, you know, that, that's a stretch. But, you know, with the NFL level painkillers, I'm sure they can figure yeah. it out. And when Hooper comes back, then then. So, you know, so my thought is that Brian. Hooper still ends up being. I think you almost use Hooper exclusively as a blocker. Like, I'm just thinking of trying to get tackled right now uh, in that situation after two weeks having your appendix removed. It's just going to be, it would be Using him as a blocker isn't much better. I mean, you get hit on every play. Fine. Yeah, I'm saying, but like literally getting tackled in the the sweet spot necessarily to where you had the surgery is a little bit different. So I still think Bryant's going to get the snaps. And we've seen Bryant get snaps over Nujoku when Hooper was healthy, like completely healthy. So Bryant still has fantasy value to me, but it's disappointing that really in the one week that he had the chance to jump out, we had win conditions that just wouldn't allow it. I, I don't exactly. think it's anything due to talent. So mm-hmm. um, pretty limited when it comes to the tight ends. I don't know of any like super obvious tight end drop names. Mm-hmm. I've thought about Jimmy Graham a little bit. He's had seven targets, of course, this past week. But they keep talking about Cole Komet. Didn't Cole Komet have a bad turnover? Or did I remember that I, He only had a few targets. But it just feels like the Cole Komet thing is going to happen sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it should because they invest a second-round pick in him. You might as well see yeah. what you have. But I, I just wonder if like Jimmy Graham is is getting close to the droppable point for me, given how much they really keep discussing Komet. I don't know why I had that in my head with the bad turnover, but Cole Komet has, yeah, he's had a couple okay games here, but he has yet to be targeted more than twice in a game this season, and he's had zero targets in several games. He played the most snaps of the season, week eight, with 30. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to, to, to make that switch yet. I think... Graham's had at least six targets in each last three weeks. If you go back to weeks, week three, he's actually had uh, at least five in every one of those games. He's been targeted quite free, uh, quite frequently in the offense, and he's much like every tight end in that 4 through 14 range where you just have to hope for things to work out their way. The schedule doesn't necessarily say it's going to be good or bad, I think, for him rest of the season. They just keep talking about Cole Komet. I see every time on social media, Cole Komet, Cole Komet, and... I haven't really seen it on the field, but they are yeah. very clearly trying to push him to be mm-hmm. something. If there's one Bears pass catcher I'm going to go over with, and, and we didn't hit him in the wide receivers, but you maybe think about Darnell Mooney is who I'd be going after because the next two weeks, Titans are 29th against opposing wide receivers. Vikings are 31st against opposing wide receivers. And then you've got a week 11 by here. So if you need someone to be like your real Hail Mary play over the next couple of weeks, and maybe flex a guy like Mooney instead. But, you know, again, I, I wouldn't feel super great about that. that that's definitely a deeper league one, too. I agree with you. He's actually rostered in stake league. I know Shanky had to start him. Um, I don't know about this week, but the week before, and mm-hmm. wasn't much success. A lot of people had to make some last-minute pickups because the receiver landscape was weird. I remember I had a choice between Kendrick Bourne and Denzel Mims, and I ended up picking up Mims because of more 
you know, longevity ups, yeah. and maybe get yeah. something exciting, and most and mostly because I had Crowder, so it was kind of a direct replacement there. But I'm not sure if I made the right call. Time will tell. I think there's actually some pretty high fantasy utility when it comes to defensive streaming options this week. Just like the ones off the top of my head here, Titans versus the Bears, right? Trubisky, Foles, awful. You have the football team against the Giants. Danny Dimes got to turn the ball over every time he can. And you now have the Texans, I think, are a very viable option um, when it comes against this new starter for Jacksonville, whether it be Lutton or uh, Glennon if he gets put in there at some point. I think you could even make a case the Giants could start against the Washington team right now, too, with how uh, inopportune Kyle Allen is at, in his starting spot. I think there's there's a lot of interesting options. You could even talk me into the Cardinals against Tua if you said Tua was just going to play like he did last week. I didn't put the over-unders down on the sheet this week, but if I had to guess, the Titans in Chicago would be kind of on the lower end there, and the Titans are the home team. Um, you know, They've taken a little bit of a beating lately here. I think uh, maybe Vrabel will, will work those guys up, and again, you're going against bad quarterbacks no matter which way you cut it so titans they're 48 percent rostered i think they got to be the number one play um and then i see i do like the texans at four percent at jacksonville um you know you could take your pick out of that football team uh versus the giants game that game's going to be ugly any way you cut it but the texans you know they still get unless they ship jj watt before this thing's over or blow that whole thing up which we don't know i mean they've got enough firepower to uh get some sacks and cause some turnovers yeah they've been giving up a lot of points but i think they're big something that's not necessarily always measured perfectly with defenses but i think their chances of creating big plays or points in general um is better than some of these other teams because you know they, they do have a little bit of talent there and uh whew, yeah yeah it's I'll, tough. I'll go, go one step Texans. i'll go one step further I, I actually like the texans defense over the titans I, I think to me the washington football team is the top pick um against the guaranteed two turnovers from danny dimes and then i think whoever starts for jacksonville is going to be bad enough where the texans defense can take advantage now i get a little bit wary when a team has a bye week to prepare for their opponent and puts in a new quarterback, it's the same reason why I was on the Dolphins to cover the spread this past week because you have two weeks to prepare to make your rookie quarterback, or in this case, Mike Lennon, if you were to start, a viable option. But I, I just don't think there's any talent there, and maybe it involves incorporating DJ Shark more. Uh, or sorry, DJ Shark with his, with his injury history, he's kind of sheds that. Hopefully, with the bye week, I don't like. Yeah, but, you have to really what are we talk getting me out of the Jigs this week. You know, that's I saw Visco Chenault come up on some uh, on some waiver wire list this week, and I'm like, where did, where is is it Visco season again with with Jake Lutton as quarterback? I mean. What the heck? I, you know, who knows? There's too much narrative stuff that I have to talk myself into for the Jacksonville offense to be effective, other than James Robinson. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm 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 fine saying Texans as a pretty high pickup. Um, besides the Washington team, I think they're my number two defense this week. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, I can buy that for you. After watching that Monday Night Football game and saying out loud to myself, "He's so bad," in reference to <laughs> Daniel Jones, I can I can buy the Washington Football Team this week. And uh, yeah, so there are three good options. You know, you place those guys, and chances are you're going to get one because I don't think you know going back to the bye weeks this this week. I mean, people weren't really streaming the Bengals, Browns, maybe the Rams. I had the Ram- I had the Rams in one league, and I had the Eagles, but mostly because they were playing the Cowboys last yeah. week. So. Um, Chances are, you know, again, this is a week where looking at the buys, you're probably going with the one that you drafted or that you have been starting, but there are three perfectly quality options. Last week was bare and horrible for defense. It was this tough. Week, this week, uh, definitely you, better. You could have some action here, so uh, definitely check that out. Check out Jerry's streaming defenses. He ranks them, you know, for this week, for the next three weeks, and for the rest of the season. Great article on rotowire.com. Uh, definitely worth your time here if you are like me and like to regularly stream defenses. 
Yeah. Um, please rate and review the podcast. I mean, we haven't really talked about much at the end of the broadcast, but it definitely does good things for us in terms of the company and, and for jo, uh, Jake and Joe and myself. I had to go third person there. Uh, personally, it helps us out a lot, too. And again, you can follow us at JB Fantasy Sports for me, Joe, and then at Roto Jake um, for Jake to have any questions. But we're always available on Twitter if you have anything, and uh, we do the best we can. So until next week, uh, make sure you go out and vote and stay safe, everyone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.